It it really is. It really is something that I didn't know, but God was God was working on me way back when I was a teenager. I was on a uh, airplane that got hijacked. My mother and I were going from Denver to Los Angeles, and uh, and the announcement was made that uh, there was a man on the plane that wanted to take it to an unknown destination, and please be patient while we fulfill his demands. Yeah, and. Just about instantly, all these holy cards popped out from people having in their wallets and their purses multiple multiple copies of various various holy cards, and uh, and these kind Catholics they they offered them to to us to my mother and and my mother I I told you I was anti, I was raised anti-Catholic my mother even in this situation um, kindly but. But uh, definitively refused them. Hello, this is Father John Arnold, and welcome back to this special edition of Oral Valley Catholic. Lately, I've been trying to get our parishioners to tell their stories, and their stories of conversion, stories of love of Christ. And I keep pointing out that conversion is going from unbaptized to baptized. For many people, what they do is not convert to the Catholic faith, but they come into full communion with the Holy Father. So today my guest is Carolyn Simpson, who is a winter resident from Western Kansas. And it's a story of how she overcame, or was helped by the power of grace really, to overcome uh, an anti-Catholic prejudice that she was brought up with, uh, to embrace uh, the Catholic faith in a wholehearted way. It's a very interesting story. My dad was a convert, so I always love the stories of people who go from unbaptized, because Christian scientists don't baptize. And so she became a Christian scientist at birth. Then she went to the Episcopalian faith because the Catholic Church was just beyond the pale. And then found herself in a parish church going through RCIA. Her husband now is the director of RCIA, and he has a similar story. So without further ado, let's let Carolyn Simpson tell her story. I'm Carolyn Simpson. I grew up in Southern California, but now live on a farm in far western Kansas for most of the year and then get to come down here to Marana for the winter time. And so uh, we're on Oral Valley Catholic because I've been featuring people or I want to feature people who have a journey to the Catholic faith. And so you were brought up as a Christian scientist. Yes. Would you explain to our listeners who are probably pretty unfamiliar with the tenets of Christian science, kind of basically how Christian science looks at Christianity and science and religion. Yes, uh, Christian science was started in 1866 by a lady named Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, it is known by the phrase, those are the people who do not believe in doctors. They rely on prayer alone for healing. Please don't confuse these people with Scientologists. It's totally two different things. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy said that she had restored primitive Christianity with its lost element of healing. 
So she really considered it, and Christian scientists really consider it to be the best version, the highest version, the most spiritual version of Christianity. Um, my family was extremely devout uh, all the way back to when Mrs. Eddy was still alive. And uh, practitioners in the family, I went to Sunday school every week until I was 20. I joined uh, the Mother Church, which is the headquarters church when I was 12. It's which in was Boston. In Boston, yeah. And then my local branch church in Anaheim, uh, California when I was 16. Uh, I went to the, the only college for Christian scientists in the world, Principia College in Illinois. So I was, I was really devout. My family was really devout. And um, how did you think about Catholics during that period of time? I, I was raised very anti-Catholic. Why? I think most Christian scientists are. They tend to think of Catholicism as as a very lower level of Christianity. Uh, that it has to do with so many material things, with idol worship, with Mary worship. Um, it's very material, and that's the opposite of Christian science, which really tries to have everything on a mental instead of a physical level. So now that you're a Catholic, what do you see as the really biggest difference between how Christian scientists would look at God in the spiritual life and how Catholics would? Uh, there's a huge, huge difference. Um, with Christianity, God, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With Christian science, one God, monotheistic, just one God, but not triune. It's, it's almost more of a force. Um, Principle, mind, soul, spirit are the some of the names of God. And very importantly, with Christianity, Jesus is God, the Son, and he's the second person of the Trinity. With Christian science, uh, Jesus is not uh, God the Son. Jesus is totally human. He's the most perfect human to ever be born and he's considered a, a way shower for the rest of us like a guide like a, yes like a guide the, the holiest most perfect guide and we are supposed to imitate what he did so whatever he did we're supposed to get spiritually minded enough to do ourselves you know when i hear of a religion that wants to take people to being a higher kind of human mm -hmm. you know when we think of saints Saint is really like a different category, this glorified body in heaven with God in union with God. And with becoming like a perfected human being, I always think of like new age religions when I hear that kind of language. Do you think that Christian science and the new age has anything in common? Well, I understand that in the last 10 years or so, uh, Christian science has started to call itself the grandmother of the the new age so they they consider that that the new age is sort of 
the next steps in in uh, the whole culture accepting Christian Science. So do Christian scientists get baptized? No, uh, they do nothing physical with their spiritual life. Uh, Again, it's translated baptism. It is not a, it's not a physical thing. It's a changing consciousness. They don't have any of the, any of the sacraments. No physical anything to, to make a spiritual point. So do you use the New Testament at all as a Christian scientist? Yes. Uh, Christian scientists read uh, both the Old and New Testament Protestant version and Mrs. Eddy's book called Science and Health. They read that, uh, snippets from those two books uh, every week, every day of every week, and then on Sunday, instead of having a pastor, they have two elected readers who read that same, what they call lesson sermon, as their main part of their Sunday service. So I'm just, you know, I always think it's interesting how different Christian sects deal with the scriptures. So at the end of Matthew, Jesus sends the, the apostles out to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. How might a Christian science look, scientist look at that or would they just ignore it? Mostly just ignore it. Um, I can't think of Mrs. Eddy's definition or redefinition of baptism, um, but they they try to spiritualize every concept in the Bible, so that I can't think of the definition of, of baptism that she uses. But for instance, angels are not created beings, uh, but instead, uh, angels she defines as God's thoughts passing to man. Okay. So. You know what I think is interesting about the story of Christian science? Uh, if you look at the religious history of our country, and it's a very um, creative religious history. Some of it doesn't seem to have much to do with historic Christianity. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that was going on in the 1860s uh, were the New England Transcendentalists. And this is a church centered in Boston. It's where Unitarianism starts. It's where Universalism starts, which is the idea of this uh, no trinity, there's just one God. Or Ralph Waldo Emerson and his idea of transcendent meaning, you know, where really the human person becomes God. You know, Mrs. Eddy is in kind of this um, uh, fertile place for this kind of thought. And she just brings what I, as I understand, as I listen to this, uh, just a version of Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, Henry David Thoreau, uh, the Alcott uh, the Alcott family, uh, all these people who are uh, thinking these new thoughts about religion that have no place for Puritanism because a lot of it's reaction to Puritanism, uh, which was um, a, a reaction to the Church of England. And it just seems that these family connections in the church, as people distance themselves, you just, uh, believers keep getting further and further and further away from the father that Jesus tells us about. So I guess I always ask, what was life like as a, uh, Catholics, uh, as a Catholic scientist? Um, Christian scientist. A Christian scientist, <laughs> pardon me. Catholic scientist is a completely different <laughs> yeah. animal. Christian scientist. Um, 
Was it a happy life? Was it unpleasant? Uh, I mean... Well, for me, it was very pleasant. I mean, I grew up in an upper-middle-class family. Um, we did not use medicine for anything. We got excused from vaccinations at school and from health instruction in school. So that made me rather naive. Um, uh, when I was sick, you know, generally I'd lay down and, uh, you know, sometimes a Christian science practitioner would be called and, uh, and a lot of times I'd, I'd feel better uh, after I woke up. they like faith healers? Or? Yeah, they're faith healers. The idea is that, yeah, the practitioner was a faith healer. If you could not understand yourself as a true spiritual being, they would kind of understand it for you and, and you would respond. So when you died, would you have a body when you live after death or would it just be a spiritual life? It would be a spiritual life. Mrs. Eddy did not really develop too much theology around, around the afterlife. Oh. The idea was that if you did not solve the problem here, you would solve it after you died. You'd have to, you know, you, there wasn't a judgment. You would just have to keep getting more and more spiritual. Some people refer to them as planes of consciousness or planes of existence, which isn't really a proper term, but probably explain, ex explain it. Yeah, the, the whole focus on Christian science is really physical health and taking care of your daily needs. Um, but at some point, it, I'm just intuiting that you became dissatisfied as a, as a Christian science believer. What happened in your story? Yeah, what happened with me that uh, was that uh, when I was in my 20s, by the time I was in my 20s, there were a couple of physical problems that uh, I couldn't fix with Christian science. Um, one of them, uh, uh, well, I couldn't, I couldn't fix through Christian science, and uh, I ended up going to a doctor and, and using medicine. And the, the doctor and the medicine fixed things that I've been spending 29 years struggling with, you know, and, and just real fast, just took care of them. Um, one of them was a, a need for extracting eight teeth. And Christian Science kind of made an exception for dentistry as long as you didn't use painkillers. Okay. I could not be a Christian scientist. <laughs> no, no. And, um, and you know, my parents had been willing to, to have me, you know, have teeth extracted, but I just, I just couldn't picture that. I just refused. But um, when I was in my 20s, it turned out I had to have eight teeth extracted and went to a, an oral surgeon and he put me out, and he, which was very scary for me, and took them out, and then gave my husband a prescription for painkillers. Well, being a good Christian scientist, I was not going to use the painkillers. I called 
my Christian Science practitioner, um, and she said, if you relied on the medical route, you need to do what the doctor says. I will not treat you along with the doctor because that's considered working at cross purposes. So I'd never had as much as a Tylenol in my life. And I was scared to take it, but Bill went and filled the prescription. He put some, he broke it open a pill, put it in some ice cream and and it worked and I didn't expect it to work. I expected the very most that would provide some relief, but it was like no pain. It's good stuff. It was good stuff. You can imagine. And I just, <laughs> I was just amazed. And I, I realized at that point and due to some other things that, you know, I, w I was going to rely on medicine when needed in the future. So and one thing I wanted to, because I wanted to get a chance for people to hear this. You had a great story of your experience of Catholicism on an airline flight. Yes. I, I wanted you to be able to tell that story because it's part of all of this. It, it really is. It really is something that I didn't know, but God was, God was working on me way back when I was a teenager. I was on an uh, airplane that got hijacked. My mother and I were going from Denver to Los Angeles, and, uh, and the announcement was made that uh, there was a man on the plane that wanted to take it to an unknown destination, and please... Be patient while we fulfill his demands. Yeah. And just about instantly, all these holy cards popped out from people having in their wallets, in their purses, multiple, multiple copies of various, various holy cards. And, uh, and these kind Catholics, they, they offered them to, to us, to my mother and, and my mother, I, I, Told you I was, anti I was raised anti-Catholic. My mother, even in this situation, um, kindly, but but uh, definitively refused them. But I I did remember that was sort of my first positive experience with Catholics in the Catholic Church. You know, kindly offering God's grace. So is that why you became a Catholic, or is there a different story? Well, there's a different story. So what is it? <laughs> Well, my different story is that I felt after, with Christian science, I could not be a hypocrite. And the, the, the virtue of honesty and truth was really strong in me. And so... Um, uh, well, there are good things in Christian science. It's yeah. ethical. Yeah. And you have yeah. to affirm what's good. Yeah. Very, very high morals. And I'm, uh, I'm really grateful for that, that... That idea of, of truth. So I wasn't going to be wasn't going to be. A hypocrite. But the holy cards alone wouldn't do it. The holy cards alone did not do it. Nope. Um, had to forward about uh, fifteen years, and uh, and we we just started looking around. My husband and I at at different churches, and um, we, I believed in the in God. Uh, as I understood him, I believed in the Bible. I was very familiar with the Bible and, and morals that Christianity taught. And I wanted to be a Christian. But Catholicism was way too far out there with the, 
with the Mary and the cross with Jesus on it and, and all that stuff. So I told my husband, we can go shop at any church except the Catholic church. That was just too extreme. <laughs> so unknown to me. So we ended up in the Episcopal church. And uh, interestingly, because of their, the sense of worship that we got there, and of course in form, the Episcopal church uses very similar to the Catholic uh, Mass. The liturgy, yeah. Yeah, the liturgy. And um, as I visited these churches, I I realized that I wasn't so sure about Jesus. All these, they kept referring to Jesus, and they kept referring to the Trinity, and and I wanted to be, a, you know, I wanted to stay in the Christian church. And I told the Episcopal priest, you know, I'm okay with Christianity, but I'm not convinced about the divinity of Jesus or the Trinity. And, you know, that was a real stumbling block for me. Yeah, well, and, that is, uh, unfortunately, Orthodox Christianity. <laughs> yeah, it, it It's is. the Christian science that's got it upside down. Well, I didn't know that at yeah. the time, but I that was my first inkling that Christian science was not really in the, in the Christian family tree. Um, and this kind Episcopal priest told me to read uh, the first chapter of John, uh, verse, starting with verse one, and if you don't mind, I'd like to just Go read ahead. it to me. Uh, it, is, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What would you do with that as a Christian scientist? I had never seen that put together as a Christian scientist. I, I, I'd read the, in the beginning it was the word and the word was with God and the word was with God. But remember how I said how their mm -hmm. lesson sermon took snippets? They would not, they didn't, I never they read that read together. read the beginning of the gospel. Well, I got, I got the beginning, but I never got the, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And <laughs> I don't usually swear, and, and, I, and religion does not usually cause swearing, but it was like my eyes were opened, the scales fell off, and I realized I had not been a Christian for my entire life. And I just said, to it. Yeah, yeah. The closest you got was a holy card. Right, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, bleep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I knew, you know, Trinity for the first time, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And, you know, and, and it was... So you became an Episcopalian. Yes, I was baptized. Um, when, after I was baptized as an adult, the world, physically looking at the world, it, it physically looked brighter to me. Yeah. And so how'd you like being an Episcopalian? I love being an Episcopalian. Uh, we were Episcopalians for 15 or so years, happily. Uh, lots of good friends. Uh, social organizations, uh, but then it it, it happened. Uh, what happened? <laughs> uh, as you may already know, the the um, there's been a crisis, what I call crisis in the Protestant churches, uh, where they've they've really gone to moral relativism. They're uh, they stopped standing up for for God's truth and morality. 
the Bible, uh, Virgin Mary, even some churches, uh, Jesus Incarnation and, and Miracles. And the Episcopal Church specifically rejected the Old and New Testament regarding sex and marriage. And Well, they did at the Lambeth Conference when they rejected uh, uh, the ban on artificial contraception. That was back in the 20s. Yeah. The that link was... between sex and reproduction, that was really when the change occurred. Well, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I wasn't really aware of that, but I, this was when uh, they decided to bless homosexual unions. Yeah, they don't have, I think, and Catholicism struggle with it also. The idea of our, the virtues, our morality as a goal, and then the spiritual life, how you take people where they are and get them to the goal. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, uh, when we die, uh, we're going to be living chastely. Uh, I always <laughs> like to listen to stories about whether it be, you know, sex in heaven. And what purpose would it serve? Because nobody dies in heaven. And sex is about reproduction. Will there be intimacy in heaven? Will there be the joy of love in heaven? Oh, yeah. But sex and intimacy are not the same thing. And I think that's what gets confused in our culture. Mm, yeah. At least that's what I would say yeah. as a Catholic priest. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean... So why did you start exploring the Catholic faith? So that's when we, you know, we decided to uh, explore the Catholic faith. And it was still, I was still anti-Catholic at the time. But, you know, it was stick with God and his truth um, or, you know, pretty buildings and, and nice people and music. And so we looked and um, it was a two-step process. First, we sent my husband to RCIA, the introductory class for Catholics, but down at his work city which so is you like, sent him out like as a scout i sent him out like a scout yes and then he would he would take the notes from the class and then he'd bring them back and i'd look at him if i had questions i'd send those back to him so and he he, he got a lot of my questions answered that way without me having to think or having to say to anybody i was looking at the catholic church but the second year we said it was time we cut cut our ties with the episcopal church and and uh, I became Catholic too, um, and it was you know a huge disappointment for our friends and family, and it was uh, yeah, made, a tough one. Yeah, made people at his college where he worked very uh, upset with him. Was it a secular college or a religious yes, college? Yes, it was a it was a, a, a university in the state of Kansas system, and. Well, that's unfortunate. That is very unfortunate. But, Do you still you know, have friends or Christian scientists and Episcopalians? Oh, oh yes. I have lots of friends and, and family who are Christian scientists, uh, as well as uh, Episcopal friends. And, uh, yeah, it's taken, particularly with the Christian scientists, I think a lot of work and, and uh, graciousness on all of our parts to keep those relationships, relationships alive. When I talk to young people, especially who are thinking about becoming Catholic or people who have been um, in another Christian tradition for a while, that's always one of the concerns. They don't want to lose their friends. And I always say, yeah, if they're your friends, you don't lose them. You yeah. know, if they're your family, you don't lose them. If it's all about whether you believe what they believe, well, this isn't really the basis of friendship. So Right, right. And you know, the... Uh, verse in the Bible we, we kind of held on to 
Um, and I'm paraphrasing. If you're not willing to uh, leave your family and your father and mother and, and relatives for me, then you're not worthy of me. Yeah, that Jesus and can that, be pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah. So how's your life different now than it was when you were a, a Christian scientist or an Episcopalian? Well, my spiritual journey continues, and um, uh, I learned a lot in the last 10 years or so. Right now, I'm, I'm a member of St. Joseph Catholic Church in the Diocese of Dodge City uh, during most of the year, and then it's a, it's a very small church, small parish. Uh, we have a prayer chain, an automated prayer chain. If you if you need prayers, the whole parish is in 30 minutes. In 30 minutes, they've been advised. And then St. Mark is just wonderful here in the wintertime. So welcoming. You're not an outsider. And it's a huge parish. Um, and uh, it has so many activities for spiritual growth. But it helped that you had a great experience of women's welcome. Yes, it did. Um, it's been the highlight. It, I, I went to that and it was the, the retreat was wonderful, but uh, the better, even better thing was when I volunteered to be part of what they call the giving team for the next year's retreat. I went on the retreat in 2020 and um, first of all, the, I really felt like Catholic then because at that retreat, I got a whole slew of, of holy cards. There you go. So now I am a true Catholic. That's I really it. felt like a true Catholic. And it was like I did. No. Um, and then I agreed to be on the, on the giving team for 2021. And the, they were so gracious. They said, oh, well, we'll Zoom you in for, for the meetings. Well, it turned out everybody got zoomed in yeah. because the COVID pandemic uh, came just a couple weeks after uh, so our retreat. That, and I know that was a great experience. And women's welcome, men's welcome. You just attend it and you understand why it's a wonderful way to fit into the community. Mm -hmm. But we're getting to the end of our time. And I was hoping that you might have a few final words to leave with our listeners, maybe to uh, other Christians that might listen to this podcast. Okay, well, I do want to say that, you know, it is a journey, and I am really grateful for it. Um, God's been showing his love the whole way. He, he protected me through the hijacking and, and showing his love through those Catholics on the plane with their holy cards. Um, and that began to end my Catholic prejudice. Uh, he loved me by using the virtue of honesty to push me out of Christian science. And um, he began to teach me who he is, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Jesus as the God, the Son incarnate uh, in the Episcopal Church. And then finally, he healed me of my prejudice against the Catholic Church so I could uh, use it against the winds of secularism and, and moral decay that that we're experiencing and and then finally uh, God provided a refuge during the pandemic a spiritual refuge uh, so that pandemic time even out there 
on our farm was a time of inspiration and hope instead of fear and desperation. So that's where I am. Well, and it is a journey for Christian scientists, Episcopalians and Catholics on the, on the way to heaven because there is only one God, one reality and uh, the door is Jesus. And so we pray for all of those who have accompanied us on the journey. So together, why don't we offer a prayer for all the people who have been such a great influence in your life and all those who might be listening and thinking about their journey uh, towards God. And so let's pray in the words our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Lord God, bless your people. Open hearts to your divine presence. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, save souls. Okay, Oro Valley, um, it's been great to be with you again, and we'll see you next time.